0: is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone, I hope you're doing well. I am back from vacation with my daughter. Everybody started school, so it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, We actually got home from vacation late because the plane um, boarded late, came in late boarded us late. Anyway, we got home at 1130, the night before she and her twins started school. But it was a really fun trip. We um, explored some great places along the road to Hana. We did the drive up, well, past Hana, actually, but the road to Hana. We uh, went to some secluded beaches, explored those. We left at 6am to beat the traffic up there because it's kind of a a little bit of a scary road, <laughs> in my opinion. We went inside a lava tube cave. Um, this is where the lava actually flowed through and the outside of it cooled because it was next to the earth. So it left a crust, but the inside was still hot so it kept flowing through and it left a cave, a hole. So that was really cool. Um, the, also the cool thing about Hawaii is there are no snakes Um, bears, any like animals that are, you know, in my opinion, scary. (laughs) Um, And there really aren't that many bugs. I was surprised about that. So we barely saw any flies or any bees while we were there. I don't know, maybe we were just lucky, but there are some, but you know, we went in this cave and there were no creatures in there. So no bats or anything. So that was pretty cool. Um, We did drive all the way up to Pippiwai Trail in, in Haleakala National Park. It's on the southeast side of the island. So we really went kind of all the way down to the southeast corner there. And we did the full trail. It was a four-mile trail. It took us two hours, even with stopping, to take some photos. This is amazing trail if you haven't been there, which I'm guessing a lot of people haven't. But I'm sure some of you have, and you know what I'm talking about. But there's a huge banyan tree um, about a half mile up. And um, it was just epic, this humongous tree. There were also um, a bamboo forest, and bamboo is not native to Hawaii. Somehow some seeds came over, I think from China at some point, and the bamboo has taken over part of this um, area, but it was absolutely beautiful. The wind would blow and you could, the the reeds basically of the trees were like kind of clicking together. So that was just a new sound to us. It was absolutely beautiful. There were several waterfalls on the trail, and when you get up to the end of the trail, it's up at a 400-foot waterfall. So that was an incredible day. And Taylor was a total trooper. It was hot and humid. And the bamboo forest did help shade and cool it down a bit, but there were other parts that were just, and it was still humid the whole way, and there were other parts that were just in the sun and pretty hot. But also, Taylor wanted to go snorkeling. This was the like the one thing she really wanted to do. So we ended up doing a boat tour, five-hour, um, half-day snorkeling tour on a boat so they could take us out to some of the better areas out there. So we saw sea turtles, dolphins, fish, obviously, and we saw squid, lots of coral. And then Taylor took a surf lesson, and she was amazing. She was the only kid... The instructor warned everyone about the surf conditions. He said they had a swell coming in, and it was the biggest one that they'd had all summer. So he was a little concerned about the surf conditions for anyone who was inexperienced in the ocean or um, just wasn't a very strong swimmer. So he was giving some warnings. So there was another family there, and they bowed out because they, felt they weren't going to be ready for that. But, so she was the only kid that stayed in the lesson, and I told the instructor that she would be absolutely fine, but I think he was worried about her because he still kept trying to kind of warn me. But she is a strong swimmer, she's very comfortable in the surf, and the adults actually just loved her. As we were leaving, one of the guys actually said to her, You had a better first run than I had all morning. So, needless to say, this st- the instructor and her fellow students were very impressed. They enjoyed having her in the lesson, and now she wants to take up surfing. So, you know, as my kids have gotten older, one of the things that I've really noticed is that guiding kids and giving them these opportunities to grow into their best selves, into their own unique selves is really an amazing process. You know, when they surpass us at something, it's my favorite part, actually. All my kids can do things that I can't even attempt. Chandler can drop into a bowl at a skate park like nobody's business, and I can barely stand on, on a skateboard. Same with surfing. I won't even attempt to try to stand up on a surfboard, but Taylor can ride a wave with such finesse. And while Carter has been faster than me in the water, since he was about six. So that kind of stuff is super fun to witness. And eventually they will be doing things cognitively in one area or another that will dust me as well, but not yet. But none of them can keep up with me running or hiking on a trail yet. So I still have that eventually. I'm sure that will change, but not for a while. So I didn't have time to get the video up on YouTube channel before I left for vacation, but I do have three ready to go. We're getting back into a rotation with those, so I am going to be releasing those, uh, the first one over the weekend, and we'll get those next two out next week, and we will get into a rotation and definitely get those back up on the Your Village YouTube channel. The book is coming, the designer assures me that she's almost done, but she's just been having some struggles. So hopefully I'll get that next draft in the next week or two. I will be sharing those updates as soon as I get them. Them. We'll put those up on the Instagram account. I also shared a lot of our vacation stuff on the Instagram account, if you're curious, Iron Mom 2020 Also, I have some guests coming up on the show, one in early September and another one I believe will be later September or in October. We'll be discussing some new topics with their specialties, and so I'm really excited to have them share their areas of expertise with us. Today's question is about a power struggle and one of the most common power struggles, and that's middle of the night wakings. But it will cover tips about power struggles in general, setting boundaries and how to apply them directly to this scenario as well as just some general tips for power struggles. Unfortunately, Amy copied the message over from a message on either Instagram or Facebook and sent it in an email. So I don't have this parent's name, so I apologize about that. But if this is your question, I'm sure you will recognize this question. So this mom wrote in and she said, Hi Erin, I really hope you see this. I have been a keen podcast listener for the last two years and I really appreciate your insight. My three-year-old is going through a very clingy period, needing a lot of reassurance and physical contact, which is fine, except for the last few weeks she wakes up screaming at around 11.30 p.m. and then at 4.30 a.m. and is up from then on. It wakes up our eight-month-old as we've been walking her back to her room and telling her it's nighttime and she needs to stay in her room until morning. In the mornings, she's been running back and forth between our room and hers, and she just screams the whole time until about 6.15. We relent and get her up and give breakfast so that at least the baby can get some rest. This has been the last two weeks. Last night, my husband caved and went to sleep in her room. I'm anxious this will result in a habit as she is extremely strong-willed, intense, sensitive, and very jealous of her baby brother." So, toddlers are so adept at finding these holes and when they do, they will take full advantage. So, you know, nighttime, whether that's bedtime or middle of the night, happens to be one of those really common times that toddler can more easily get a foothold. Part of this is because we're tired. Our own body's physical need for sleep alone is enough to drive or overturn our logical brain. And when we would set a boundary during the daytime when we're more awake, it's very difficult to do, especially when we've been woken up in the middle of the night. And it drives us to do whatever it is we need to do to just get back to sleep. The other reason, like this mom mentioned, is when there's another sibling, be they younger or older, that we don't want woken up, it really gives them this opportunity to get a foothold. So we're more sensitive and likely to do just what we need to do to keep the offending toddler quiet so we don't have two or more crying children on our hands in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Now, toddlers can sense this or any other time or place or scenario where we show our cards, so to speak, right? We show them our cards where we're gonna be more sensitive about certain issues. So when it comes to a common power struggle, and by common, I mean whichever one is common in your family at that time. For some people, it's the mornings and getting ready. For others, it's bedtimes, pushback. For others, it's around food, when the child won't eat and they just want the child to eat and they find that there's a, a kind of a, I hate say a weakness, but a weakness there, a soft spot. Um, for others, it's potty training. They're really, they, this is a lot of these common areas where kids will take, try to take control and try to take back some power. When a toddler sees this, a place where they can assert their independence or take some power, they often will. So first... We acknowledge the issue, how it's currently going, how we want it to go differently. So if it's getting ready in the morning, we see our toddler pushing back a lot, dawdling or outright ignoring the routine or the prompts for one or more or all of the steps that we have for them, of getting dressed, brushing their teeth, coming to breakfast, getting their shoes on, getting into the car. When they start to push back and we need to get going and then they get some attention for pushing back, that's one of those areas. For nighttime, just like this family is experiencing an ongoing pattern of waking up, crying, screaming until someone comes and engages with them. Now we're making allowances. We're bending rules and boundaries that we know are forming long-term habits we don't want. So we recognize it. So this mom has recognized it. This is a problem. This is not what we want. This is not how we want it to go. It's going in the opposite direction that we want. So there's the recognition, We want smoother mornings. We don't want middle-of-the-night wakings. Now, we don't have to have perfection in compliance, even if it means with our guidance and assistance, but general compliance throughout the night. So let's talk about mornings. We want general compliance most mornings, moving smoothly from one step to the next. For night times, we want our kids to stay asleep or at least stay in bed and fall back to sleep on their own most nights without needing an intervention or to coming to us. So now we need a plan. How do we get from where we are to where we want to be? Point A to point B. Obviously, this is where we get tripped up. We know we don't like this behavior. We know we don't like this habit. We know we much prefer it work in a different way and we know what we want that way to look like. So we make a plan. So I'll start with a nighttime plan for this family, since this is what they're exactly asking about. And then if I have some time, I'm gonna give some more examples for parents who might have different power struggles or additional power struggles in their home. Just some general guidelines on how to start making a plan and getting from point A to point B. For night times, we first wanna prepare ourselves for a few days. So two to three days of focused, intentional work on fixing the issue. Sit down with your parenting partner if you have one. If you're a single parent, it's a conversation with yourself, pumping yourself up, even with a friend, for the task ahead. With your partner, you're gonna come to an understanding together, that you're working together, that you're committing to a few nights of less sleep, but also know that once you do this, it will be fixed. For the most part, outside of the occasional night, and I'll talk about those in a minute, But know that this two to three night commitment is an investment in a long-term solution that will yield you full night's sleep after this initial period is over. Now, I'm also gonna say that if this is done well and done correctly, this will be done in two to three nights. So my guess is in this scenario that there's some type of attention, some type of interaction that is giving this toddler what she wants. If they get some kind of attention, some kind of interaction, then it actually, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to fix. So there's some attention that she's getting for this behavior, or some type of interaction that is um, more than what you might be realizing, because otherwise, this would be done within two to three nights. So the point I'm trying to make here is that you really want to think about or take a look at the um, what interactions you're having, um, and what could potentially be seen by uh, your toddler as an engagement, as attention. Uh, I am gonna talk about the exact steps and how you're gonna go through this, and so you may get some clues when I do that. So, when you do this, by night four, it gets significantly better if it's not completely fixed by then. And the longer you have had this habit or engaged in any type of attention seeking, the longer it's gonna take to fix it, but by night five and six you should be having a toddler who sleeps all the way through the night or at least who isn't waking you any longer meaning if they do wake up they're putting themselves back to sleep now i've done coaching with a lot of parents on this exact issue and they have seen complete turnarounds and i've seen some families with very persistent toddlers and the parents did the work and have had results that feel nothing short of miraculous. And I actually got a wonderful email just the other day from a family that I worked with about six months ago, and they followed the guidance that I gave them with the coaching session. They have been having amazing nights ever since. They're so happy. And they told me this um, shortly after we had the coaching session, but they reached out again and were just letting me know that things were still going incredibly well and that um, they were just so happy and that the nights have been just great for them. And this really fills my heart to hear about how much better families are doing, whether it's with sleep or any other issue that they were having, when they reach out to me and let me know, to know that they're happier, that they're more connected because they aren't struggling through this stuff so much anymore. So I'm gonna share some general guidelines to prepare and how to fix this particular power struggle, along with some tips for some other power struggles, like I said, if I have time, right after a word from our sponsors. Arm makes getting dressed easy. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. home Threads. love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm gonna get right into some things parents can do to fix these draining middle of the night wake-ups. So first, you wanna prepare as well as you can. You wanna set aside some time, meaning several days, where you don't have to go anywhere or do anything the next day. Over a weekend, at minimum, but a holiday weekend would be better so that you can have three full days where you don't have to be anywhere or do anything. Don't plan anything for these holiday weekends. Um, For instance, Labor Day weekend here in the US is coming up. Or take a vacation day or two. This way, you can cut down on that frustration about needing to be up for work and be a functional human the next day. You are preparing yourself mentally more than anything. You're going to say to yourself, I'm going to have a few tired days, but in a few days it will be much better, and by next week it will be a thing of the past. This also means preparing yourself for the potential of the other child or children waking up and being okay with that. I know this isn't optimal, and sometimes kids will sleep through it. It won't be a problem. Um, but knowing that this is part of the process, one step back to two steps forward. You're working on getting from point A to point B, and this is just part of that, is setting this up, having these expectations so that you can set these boundaries really solid with your toddler and letting them know that waking up in the middle of the night, no matter how much they yell or scream, just isn't going to get them any kind of attention. So make a plan about who will handle what or who, meaning which child, and when. Will one of you work with the crying toddler? And I'll talk about that how to do this in a moment. While the other one stays in bed, or is the other parent, or is the other parent on duty to take care of the other child if they wake up? Will you take turns going in to guide the toddler towards sleep? Having this plan in place will give you each your go-to job when the wake-up happens. So I'm going to get into these steps. But the first thing I forgot to mention is how are bedtimes? The first thing you want to look at are bedtimes. How are bedtimes going? Are you putting your toddler down in bed? Are they falling asleep on their own at bedtime? Are you able to tuck them in, do a little short nighttime routine, you know, read a couple books, back rubs, whatever, hug and a kiss, and walk out of the room and they fall asleep on their own? If they're not doing this at bedtime, it's not going to go well in the middle of the night. Bedtime is the first um, portion or piece to fix. So the reason for this is their sleep pressure at bedtime is the strongest this is when it's the easiest to help them learn to put themselves to sleep so you want them to be falling asleep on their own at bedtime if bedtime is going well if you've you know you've been doing this at least two or three weeks and they're able to fall asleep on their own at bedtime you're tucking good night I love you you walk out they stay in the room they fall asleep on their own great if you're sitting in the bedroom while they're falling asleep if they're rubbing if you're rubbing their back while they fall asleep the middle of the night is not going to be different. They're not going to expect something different in the middle of the night to get back to sleep than they do at bedtime. So bedtime fixes first, then we go to middle of the night. So let's say bedtime is going great and they're falling asleep on their own. Everything is wonderful, it's been going this way for at least two or three weeks, if not longer. And so now you're gonna start working on the middle of the nights. Here's what you're gonna do. You wanna have a coaching session that afternoon and again before bed. So letting your toddler know that she needs to learn how to put herself back to sleep in the middle of the night. So if she wakes up, you're going to let her know what will happen. So there's two options you can do for this. You can ignore it completely, or you can go in every three to five minutes. You want to try to wait at least five minutes if you can. But if you can't, and I know in this case, the toddler's getting out of bed. So this is if the toddler's waking up and crying. If the toddler's coming to your room, you're going to turn her around, walk her back to room, put her in bed, and walk out. If she stays in there and cries, this is where you're going to wait the three to five minutes to go back and get her. If they're consistently getting out of bed, you're just walking them back to bed again and again and again and putting them in their room. If you want to wait right outside the door, that's fine. Wait right outside of the door. As soon as they walk out of the door, you're going to put them back in their bed. Until she stays in her bed and falls asleep, you're going to continue to do that. So this is where I'm saying, are you dividing up? So when she wakes up, are you the one staying there during this portion of getting her back to bed, back to bed, back to bed until she falls asleep? Or are you trading off? You put her back to bed, the other parent comes out and puts her back to bed. If it's pretty consistent, if it's happening like she like basically just pops right back up and comes, might as well be one parent just taking care of it this time. And then the next night, the other parent takes care of it or the next wake up, so it's the 4.30 a.m. wake up, it's the next parent. You decide how you're gonna divide this up. So you wanna take them back to their bed or back to their room or lay them back down, whatever it is in their room or if you're just gonna walk in, if they're laying in there, not laying, well, they could be laying, they might be standing up crying, this is what you're going to do. You're either going to say nothing at all, or you're going to lay the child back down or put them back in their bed and say one short, not even a sentence. It could be a sentence. It's nighttime. Um, You want to have as little engagement as possible. It's time for bed. It's sleepy time. It's nighttime or say nothing. You don't want to look your child in the eye. Do not look your child in the eye. Don't say, I love you, but it's nighttime. Don't engage in any kind of, "Uh," you know, they're trying to get your attention. Don't engage in that. Don't have any kind of conversation. Don't try to convince them of anything. It's bedtime. It's nighttime. And you put them back in your room. That's it. You want to be as boring as possible. You want to be monotone. Again, quiet, no eye contact whatsoever. Keep the lights off or if they're dim already, if that's the way they already are, you leave it. Don't turn on the lights, don't make any changes, don't rearrange anything, don't move Teddy, don't let them start making requests. It's nighttime, boom, you're not, there to help them in the middle of the night. Obviously, if they're sick, you are. But in this instance, you're trying to teach them to put themselves back to sleep. The more they engage with you, the more they get attention for, can you get me that teddy off the shelf? Could you move this over here? Could you tuck me in this way? They're getting power. And when they're getting reinforcements for anything that they're asking of you, they're getting a payoff. And so it's going to continue. You put them in their bed, you can lay the cover over and walk out. So Now, we're back to the talk. So you've decided how you're going to handle it. So that's when you're going to talk to them about how it's going to go. And so this is the conversation, something like this. Sleep is very important. It's important for you to grow up strong and smart. And it's important for mom and dad so that we can be more patient and helpful parents during the day. If you wake up in the middle of the night, we will walk you back to your bed or we will lay you back down in your bed and we will leave. We will be silent. We still love you, but it just means it's nighttime, which means it's time for sleep. So that's your conversation. When your toddler wakes up, you will do just what you said you would do. If she gets up, you walk her back to bed. If she's still in bed and crying, you go in, you can try to lay her down. You just come in for a few seconds. You want to make sure she's okay. Check on her, make sure nothing's stuck. She doesn't have a hand stuck under the mattress or, you know, in a spring or something, who knows? 99.9% of the time, they're absolutely fine. But Of course, you know, it's always peace of mind to just check and make sure that they're safe. And then we turn around and walk out. If they're laying down, put the blanket on if you want to and walk out, but that's it. You can say your mantra and leave or say nothing. It's time for sleep, it's nighttime, whatever it is that you chose. Now, toddlers who are used to the different protocol, like I said, will very likely protest this and they will get very big the first time or two. They are testing the new boundary. This is common. Try to wait five minutes. Again, if they're not coming out of the room, if they're staying in the room, try to wait five minutes before you go back in. If you can't do five, at least wait for three. The second night, you're gonna to go to the five. If you started at five, the second night, you'll go to seven. So you're gonna just move it out a little bit longer. This is usually about two nights of big protest and then it just disappears because they're not getting the attention. If they get attention, it reinforces the behavior. If they don't get the attention that they're looking for, the behavior will go away. It just distinguishes because there just is no payoff for it. They only do this if there's a payoff for it. As soon as they accept this as the new habit, the behavior will just disappear very quickly. So this is why I say to decide who will do what. Will you each take turns going in every five minutes? Or will one parent take it one night while the other takes the other? And a part of this is going to depend. Is your toddler continually getting out of bed? If so, it's probably one parent for each wake-up time. If the toddler's staying in the room, you may want to swap in and out each time. I go in at five minutes, you go in the next five minutes, I go in at the next five minutes. Each couple parent, or if you're a single parent, you don't get the option with that, of course, you, you're kind of on duty for all of it. But um, but if it's a two-parent household, then you just decide what's going to work. I just want to stay here and just sort of try to doze in and out through of it through it while you take care of it. The second wake up, I take care of it, whatever that is that works for you guys. Now, and then the other parent, if you, have, um, if you have a second child or third child in the home, then is the other parent on duty to go soothe the other child while the other parent works with the toddler who woke up and crying? So here's a couple of helpful tips. If you don't have anywhere to be the next day and you know everyone will be able to stay home and possibly even nap, then you can feel a lot less stressed about this process. Even plan to order in food if you want to or have some meals already made. Plan for a couple of super easy, low stress days as possible. You want to work together to relieve each other during the daytime. So, taking turns covering while the other parent naps or just takes a rest for an hour. Know you'll be a little more irritable, so just be very mindful of your patience level. And again, making it a super low stress day as possible will help this process as well. Now, the second tip some parents really struggle with letting their child cry especially when they sound so worked up and so distressed we don't like hearing our children sounding like that like they're so upset so i know it's hard my thing is personally is that sleep is so important not just for me as a parent but it's important for the kids the benefits and differences between kids who get enough sleep the recommended amount of sleep and those who don't are pretty big especially when it comes to cognitive development. So helping them learn how to sleep is a very loving thing to do. This is important for their development, their physical development, their cognitive development, their emotional development. If you can remember that, that you're actually helping them and supporting them with a skill that's so important to their growth and development, that can help alleviate that guilt. The other piece is that boundaries are important for kids. They need to know that we're in charge, that we can stay in charge, that we can take charge even when it's hard, that we're in control when they're losing control. We're already doing a lot for them emotionally, socially, cognitively, and physically by setting these important boundaries around sleep. So I personally recommend using this quicker method, the check-in method, that I'm talking about the mantra method. So it's, it's a check-in method if they're staying in their bed and you're going in and checking in every five minutes, seven minutes. It's the mantra method if you're using a mantra and you're walking them back to their room. Or even if you're saying nothing, we still call it the mantra method, you're walking them back to their room. It's very effective, it's very fast. There are slower, more gentle methods if you just cannot do this. They take two to four weeks. So that's a long time to be staying up and dealing with middle-of-the-night issues. But if you you can do that easier than this method. If you can do two to four weeks and you're bound and determined, you're like, I know I can do it. I can I can make this investment. I can go two to four weeks with some middle of the night wake ups and just to get this fixed. I can't do the crying. Then great. This is going to be a great method for you. I think two to four weeks for me, I would have ended up caving after about <laughs> three or four or five days. I've just been like, okay, okay. I would have had to go back to square one. And so this is a whole separate method. And I don't have time to cover this whole separate method. So if this is one that you want to go for, one that you want to learn about, that is in the class on toddler sleep on the website at yourvillageonline.com. But basically, you know, when it comes to power struggles, it's really about setting the boundaries and sticking to them. If we start waffling and if we start doing certain things and if we start negotiating or, you know, doing certain things for them, like I said, like getting the teddy off the shelf, removing Teddy from here, can you rub my back? then we're letting the toddler take the power and tell us how middle of the nights are going to go. We have to let our toddler know how middle of the nights are going to go. We are loving and wonderful and comforting and warm for them all day long. If they're sick, obviously we are totally there for them. If your toddler wakes up and crying and you go and check in and she's sniffling and she's you know, stuffy and she's got a fever or whatever, obviously that just, that's different. Um, you're going to step you're going to step in, you're going to snuggle them, you're going to cuddle them, you're going to do what you need to do to get them back to sleep and know that's going to be a rough couple of days. What's going to happen with that though is if you do this for two nights, that's fine. Let's just say you've had a great sleep pattern. Everything's been great. and Your toddler's waking up. Now they're sick. You do this for two days. By the third night, if you have a third night of cuddling them back to sleep, again, totally fine thing to do. Just know that you're going to be going back to doing some work on setting boundaries around sleep after they start to feel better so just know that you can decide after night two it's night three am I going to cuddle her back to sleep again tonight or am I going to set the boundary back down so that we don't have to do like another three days of of bedtime or nighttime boundaries boundary setting again or am I okay with this especially if they've been doing it for you know a while and they've been good with the middle of the nights, then um, going three nights and having to get it back will only take you a night or two. It won't be a big deal. And once you walk them back to sleep and say it's bedtime, they'll just stay there. There won't be a lot of screaming or yelling or any of that. It will go pretty smoothly and quickly because that is the old pattern and you're getting back to it pretty quickly. But just know when you've done something three nights in a row, that's the new pattern. So that maybe a new pattern you have to break after the illness is gone. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. If you want to learn more about sleep, the class is infant sleep and toddler sleep. For bedtime, for power struggles, the class on power struggles. I did want to say a little bit about power struggles. I'm going a little bit long, but let me just say that the same thing with power struggles. It's setting the boundary. So it's setting a boundary that you can stick with, that you know you can hold. So it's no cookie before dinner. Just There's no cookie before dinner. They melt down, they cry, they have a complete fit. You can connect with the emotions. I see that you're frustrated about not getting a cookie before bedtime. I want you to eat your healthy dinner first and we can have a cookie after dinner. Let them have their feelings, You know, work with it that way. But you want to set the boundary and stick with it. So- um, the class on power struggles has a couple of really great um, tools for, and also the class Getting Kids to Listen. There's a great tool on that. I have a four-step process about common power struggles, about how we're going to have a discussion, set the boundary, um, set the consequence, and then coach them through all, through that. And so that's a great four-step process for common power struggles. And there's a lot of other tips in there about working through some common power struggles with some examples. And, you know, because a lot of times we just tell our kids to do something, we expect them to do it, but we really need to be very mindful about how we do it and the way that we engage with them and be very present with them while we make sure that they do what we're asking, rather than just yelling from across the room expecting they're going to go put their shoes on, because it's um, a lot of times they won't do that until they know that we really mean it. So there's a way to get that back under control. And so, again, that class on power struggles, will go into that in more detail. So. Those and the six, all the 60-plus classes on discipline, development health, education, modern parenting can be found on demand at the website yourvillageonline.com. Also, do not forget that there is a 20% off promo code that you can use through the end of August. So we're getting a little close to the end of August. 20% off, use the code SUMMER21, SUMMER21, SUMMER21 for 20% off of your membership as long as it stays active. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.